everyone. Welcome to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And Carolyn, I always mess this up. Co-sponsored by the Word House. Yes. And Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. <laughs> That's a lot. I had to take a deep breath before we get started. And then I have to take a breath after it's over. Carolyn. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a question. You know, I this hope is, I have this an is like this is like the batter. <laughs> pardon the sports analogy, but I am a guy. Oh. This is like the first batter of the first game of the World Series on the first pitch. Swings for the rafters because he's going to hit that home run, right? Okay. Knock it out of the park. There None of go. this kind of seeing where the pitcher is. None of this taking a pitch. He's just coughing. He's going to hit the thing out of the park. So, Carolyn. <laughs> Is there a story behind your name? Hmm. That's a very interesting question. Um, yes, there <laughs> is actually. I knew there would be. Well, not really a story, but I asked my mom how they come up with the name Carolyn. Because I'm not particularly fond of it, I'll be honest. No way! I, I only know one other Carolyn, yeah. and I just, you know, when you get called Caroline, which I hate, by the way, sorry to use the word hate, but you know, um, Carol, Carol Ann, Carolina, I've been called all of it, and a lot worse, but my dad's name was Carl, Carl Edward, and my mom's name was Linda, and he called her Lynn, so they put their two names together and got Carolyn. What a sweet story. They gave thought to it. Yeah, they did. Consideration. They did. And it's funny, I just want to mention this. It's funny that you asked that because yesterday I heard a great sermon by a pastor that talked about our name. And he was talking about Jacob and what our name means. Isn't that fascinating? And how that changes because we know Jacob's name changed. Yes. And who we are, our what's identity. the definition of our name. Yes, yes. so yes. I'm so glad you asked that because well, I've been pondering that. Well, it must be a movement of the Holy Spirit, as they say, because that's exactly where I am. But I would want to note that your mom and your dad, even before they knew of you in any way, shape, dimension, already had a name for you. And with that, had expectations. Now, I don't know that that necessarily is true. And I'll make the statement. <laughs> Whether or not your expectations as a mom, my expectations as a dad, actually had anything to do with how, with how our kids turned out. But I do think the power of expectation, and then even so much as that would then not only be a name, but an identity, begins long before we ever physically make our what is it appearance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a very good point because I can look back and see what was going on in that time frame, kind of hindsight, and then look at my appearance like on a timeline when I showed up. And that's pretty interesting, at least in my family, the, t <laughs> the time that I showed up. Because I have a feeling there was all kinds of expectations going on. And it was uh, quite interesting to hear the story how my appearance 
and I don't know if you're, if you're going this way with it, but my appearance changed the situation well, in a big way. Definitely there are certain physical things that though we would see that maybe a more, I don't know, psychological, if it were humanistically kind of looked at, or as with us and our Christian worldview, our paradigm from the Bible, we would see that in more spiritual terms. Certainly, there's a lot to be said for physical and physiology. And I don't know that the personality is genetic. At times, I've thought more so and other times less so than that it would be uh, have some factor, uh, the physiology, genetics. But at, at the same time, <laughs> you are what you are when you come out. And, and so to that extent, and that doesn't mean you're not rightly created, that God didn't create you exactly the way he wanted you to be. Right. But it does mean, though, that you may or may not be what we would expect you to be, right? This is true. And I've heard those stories, right? Mm -hmm. uh, delivery room stories of, oh, well, instead of the one, we had two. <laughs> or instead of the boy, we had the girl. And it does cause you to sort of shift gears. Now, for oh, me, yeah. as, as Joshua would say, as for me and my house, when we conceived, and i got to tell you that story. I mean, I think today might be the program we get into that. But when we conceived and uh, knew we were going to have a child and thought it was at that point a boy, uh, or right before we knew it was a boy, uh, I thought about it being either a boy or a girl, and which of the two it would be, but I'd already had a name for both. Mm -hmm. Already had, in my mind, right. I was already seeing them. Right. I saw what she would look like. I saw what my relationship with her would be like. Mm -hmm. I saw what he would be like, what mm -hmm. my relationship... I thought, oh, this is awesome. Right. You know, because either way, it's good. Right. But I was already, I believe, at that point, moving with God. Mm -hmm. The Bible might say moving God's hands through prayer, but I was moving, I think, more so in concert with God mm -hmm. toward the end of this thing being something awesome and miraculous and special. And it is. And it was. I mean, I agree with you. I had the same experience in that we chose not to find out with our first son. So I had a lot of ideas about what was going to happen and a boy or a girl had names picked out. But I also want to throw in an element of adoption, which I've adopted twice, is that there's kind of a pregnancy that goes on with that. People don't look at it that way they they might not understand what i'm saying but there's a time waiting you know like you're pregnant for nine months there's a time till you get that child and then you meet that child but there's a lot of expectations there's names we picked out names you know there's the idea of what they're going to be like because you know fortunately in adoption you may have a picture so you can see them but you don't know anything about what they're going to be like so it, it's, it's quite similar to having a biological child. But God knows what they're going to be like. <laughs> and then for those things that might need or require a bit of reconciliation, oh my, oh, this didn't turn out the way I thought it would. <laughs> there is always then the help or the assistance God gives us in bringing what even our best intentioned mm -hmm. considerations for mm -hmm. our child, for their future, 
what we would do, how we would help them, how gratifying, how joyous absolutely the experience would be to proper reconciliation and it's called love well it's and, called love. and with ethan uh, you know that was definitely when you said not what you expected my mind immediately went to my second son who came out with white hair mm. <laughs> you talk about not expecting yes it's like uh, what is this about? <laughs> I asked the nurse, what's with the white hair? <laughs> I didn't know. So, yeah, there's some curveballs that get thrown, and then we move forward in concert, as you said, I like that, in concert with God, uh, knowing that He knew that prior to Yes, and yes. Then, and we can trust Him if He knew it, and He allowed it to happen, then we can trust Him. And see, we do it that way because God did it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to say, you know, God's a lot like us, but that would be wrong. We're a lot like God. We were created in His likeness, in His image. So, long before Adam ever took appearance, mm-hmm. <laughs> appeared, the advent, there was Jesus. The ad, there, there was Jesus. There was the advent of Adam. But God already had a notion in mind of what He wanted, mm-hmm. what Adam would be like, mm-hmm. what Adam would look like. And even to the extent and degree that the identity was already there, it just took, I guess, working it out, that working in concert, we said, moving it forward, uh, making those adjustments. Fleshing it out. In love. Pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, but that pun, yes, no pun intended. But it's true. Those are the kind of things. And you know, and I used to get a little bit uh, confused about that because I know God could make it any way He wanted to, and He did in the physical. But why does it have to always have some degree of change? Or why is it always prone to, to changing? Or why is it that something that seems to be really good not have to, uh, have to be changed or can't uh, last forever or whatever in that sort of way? Uh, continue, that's the word I want to use. And, and I, I have to appreciate, because God is a God of creativity. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, the spirit doesn't change, the material or the flesh does, but even in the transformation from that moment of conception to the place where we are then born through our childhood, into adulthood, even into unto into our advanced stage unto the end of this material life. It's constant change. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is an influence, not only by the physiology as with genetics, because God put that in us too. I believe God is the author of everything. Nature. So, so the encoded that mm-hmm. genetics, mm-hmm. he put it in us, in our bones. But the notion of it is, though, that as much, too, there's all the social influences that go along with it. But nonetheless... It is not singularly anything outside of either God's desire or will or our ability to work with Him toward that end as long as we are attempting or making our best efforts Mm -hmm. to do just that, to work with Him. But when it doesn't turn out quite the way you think it should, when it doesn't turn out quite the way you would have wanted it, when it doesn't fit the script or the narrative, when it's maybe even too soon... You know, we waited very much later in life for our baby to go about uh, having a baby, uh, mostly because I was not entirely sure that I was prepared. 
But, you know, there is like a finality. There's a, there's a fail-safe, a place of some finality that if you're not going to do it now, you're not going to get to do it. This is true. And so we did not waste then what opportunities we had. And God, fortunately, did bless us um, and obviously have an awesome son as a result of that. But some people don't think quite that way. Some people might think, well, I'm not ready to have a child. I don't want to have a child. I don't know that I can raise a child. Some people might say, well, what about a child? That's nothing but trouble. I don't want that. Now, I know it's a hard, hard saying, hard thing to think of, but I'm sure there's some people, right. persons, who think that way, mm-hmm. at least by appearance, and I've mm-hmm. heard them say it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like just watching people. People testify to that. It's just, I, I'm busy. I have all this to do, and, and a child is just not going to do anything but get in the way. Mm-hmm. And it's not time. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times things happen when we don't want them to or not according to our script. But that still doesn't mean that they weren't either authored or conceived of by God with an intention or purpose in mind. And we need to figure out where our responsibilities lie and how much input we might have into it. But mostly we need to f- get to the point where we figure out we have to cooperate. Mm-hmm. Everything with God seems to be that. It's a matter of cooperating with Him, and He will give me some input. Mm -hmm. But I can't run the show, because when I begin to run the show, I've got all kinds of problems in my, speaking of flesh, in my flesh that preempt me from doing a very good job of that. Well, you may not want to cooperate, and so you kind of self-sabotage your own efforts. If it's something that we, I like how you use the word cooperate, because in my mind came submit, obedience, those type of words. When you think about working with God, but cooperate sounds a whole lot better. <laughs> but sometimes we, I don't even think we want to do that. Sometimes I think we, you know, see it as, well, I don't know if I can do that, or I don't know that I really want to do that, God. And so, uh, therefore, comes in the submission and obedience, but. Yes, we have to go along and cooperate. Otherwise, it's not going to be in our best interest. He has our best interest at heart. He knows what's best. And then it comes down to us trusting Him to do that. That whatever... Somebody told me one time, whatever has happened, whatever is going on, has been sifted through His hand first before it comes down to you. And I love that illustration. I'm such a visual person. But I love that because I know that it's went through his hand first before it got to me. And so if he's allowed it, then I trust him that, you know, not only will I make it through it, it will be for his glory. And then others can see that as well. Others can... Um, see the testimony uh, they can learn from it they can grow their faith through it and my faith as well and and I think that as much as as it is something that you understand that God is the author of and can appreciate though we may not have the ability in our humanity to see the full picture and you mentioned Jesus the Jesus here, and you're you, you're always you're getting. Uh, unfortunately, you're getting to know me too well because you're chasing down points. <laughs> but you're right, though. Jesus is what God had in mind when even He created Adam. But the notion of it, though, is is that God had a preconceived notion and of of what we were to be, what 
he wanted us to be, what, mm -hmm. what he wanted our life to be, what, how he wanted us to example. And it's just like him. We're made in his likeness. Mm -hmm. But when we start to move away from God or we do it unto ourselves and mm -hmm. not unto him, or we don't understand the limits or the terms mm -hmm. of our input, uh, the influence that we really can or can't have. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes even with our influence, I know God still gets what he wants. Because he's already got it figured out. Right. I mean, he already knows what we're going to do before we do it. Now, mm -hmm. that's an incomprehensible thought to humans. Mm -hmm. Where it sounds like, well, yeah, what you've just done is you've created a situation where God can't lose. Well, that's the whole point, though. God can't lose, period. I've just acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. You cannot win with God if winning means doing something that he does either, doesn't either sanction or desire to take place. Right. But I do think, though, that whenever God conceived of the notion, no pun intended, of humans, and as he decided to make Adam, he did have that in mind. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the identity was to eventually be Jesus Christ. Right. That's what we are. Now, again, my name comes from very biblical origins. It's Michael David. Both of those prominent characters in the Bible. I was, I was brought up in that sort of tradition, mm -hmm. the church tradition. And so in my family, that was what you did. You gave a person a name, and it was a Christian name. But it still, though, even as it was just a Christian name, there was forethought. Mm -hmm. Now, I've even gone as far as to think, too, once that name is given, sometimes then it becomes us that, once we are at that point of capability, to realize it, of living up to that name. Mm -hmm. And all of us, like you ask your mom, mm -hmm. all of us want to know, well, why am I here? What was your true. thoughts? This is true. What was the purpose? Mm -hmm. Well, we can answer that. You already have. Jesus, but I already have. It was God's intention. Right. Why then would we mess with such a no-lose proposition as God's intention? He always wins. Why would we want to change what otherwise was all part of his plan? Was it Jeremiah? While, you were, while I was yet in my mother's womb, you knew me? And how can we say that? Because more than flesh or physical... God is a spirit, and right. we are spirit, and God breathed that spirit into us. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the flesh is just a tabernacle, right? It's just a house in which the spirit lives or dwells, right. but it's the spirit. And why would we then otherwise begin to kind of presume that we could change the essential element of who God is or who we are or who we are called to be in Jesus Christ. Our lack of cooperation, as you said it. Yes. <laughs> we uh, want to see it our way. It's hard to see things God's way, especially when it doesn't turn out the way we thought it was going to be. And say, this is what you wanted, God. This is your plan. This is what you wanted. And, and that's sometimes a tough pill to swallow. But we have to go there and have that tension between his idea and our reality and then work through that gap. Well, as much as, again, that when you're a child, right? And we mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. There's constant change. That's mm -hmm. physical change. And then 
there's a psychological dimension to that change as well that goes into claiming our identity and uh, really understanding the true origins of it, which is kind of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Whether it's more of the spiritual or as according to God or whether it's more of the social, uh, whether we're even brought up with an awareness of all these things that we're trying to articulate in, in the program today, the broadcast today, the podcast. But this notion, though, that when you get to looking at a child, they are very selfish and self-centered. They want it their way. And sometimes that's where I think the origins of this notion that somehow it's going to be my way, I believe that is entirely where it comes from. Mm -hmm. But usually somewhere along the way, God will reach out, grab you, and say, wait a minute. You've not understood it yet, but let me reveal to you, at least as you're capable at this particular moment in your life of understanding how I have called you, set you aside, which I think is called consecration, mm -hmm. for a particular purpose. Now I want to sanctify you, cleanse you of all the things that might be corruption up to this point that might get in the way of that purpose, but I want to then dispatch you Mm -hmm. to the end that I've had in mind all along, which, mm -hmm. yes, it is Jesus. But it is also our unique role because mm -hmm. every individual, every soul, as much coming from God, emanating from God, coming from God, nonetheless, when it takes some physical dimension, it all becomes not only part of God, but it plays a part in God's bringing forth in material dimension, again, that spirit of creativity, right. what he desires, mm -hmm. what he wants. Mm -hmm. And what does he want? He wants life. He wants creativity. He wants good things. He has a good end in mind. And I say creativity because to me, when you can create, that's the, the hallmark of life. Mm. Usually in a physical sense, when there's no nothing going on with it, when it's just sitting there like the proverbial rock, you look at that thing and you think, well, there's really not much going to happen to that, right? It's just a rock. There's no life. Mm -hmm. But God can create life out of rocks if he wants to. But that's funny you mentioned the creativity because I have to say the imagination. I heard another... Um, I was watching a live sermon when I was getting ready yesterday morning for church. And they talked about that. And I thought, well, this is an unusual subject. The imagination and God and creativity. And I was, you know, sort of uh, perplexed by that. I thought, where is he going with this? But there's that idea about uh, where we see things and where God sees us completed, whole, but also how he sees us, where he sees us, and can we imagine that in ourselves? Can we see us where God sees us? And it was really interesting to ponder about that because, like you said, there's a creativity there that he has, and we have creativity given to us, imagination. I always want my kids to have a big imagination. Now I'm not so sure I did that right. But... Can I see myself where I believe God? And, and he even, you know, called it like, you know, that's a vision for you. Not necessarily like a, a vision like in the Old Testament, but that is a idea of where he sees you operating in your fullest for his most glory. 
I'm not sure that I said that right. But I was challenged by that. And I thought, I want to see myself. I want to imagine and be creative enough to see myself where he sees me. And I think that that is the whole idea of then God inspiring, Holy Spirit working, His Holy Spirit never being anything but there. It just gets covered up mm -hmm. with right. all of these things. Life. Yes, that we're talking about. Yeah. But if we really understand that the manifestation isn't as important as is the Spirit, mm -hmm. but it is important because once you take away the manifestation, you take away whatever influence that might have had in physical terms upon those people who do not know, mm. who are lost, mm -hmm. who need help, who need assistance, who have gone astray, who have been corrupted, who have lost sight of what either they've been called to be in Christ or unto Christ or in God to that end or that purpose. Mm. And in that, there needs to be a restoration. And with that, then, there needs to be a claiming of our truest identity, not just mm -hmm. what those around us mm -hmm. think we should be. Because, again, that may be devoid of really any appreciation for God. There's right. people who really don't appreciate God, and it's hard right. to imagine, but there are those folks. Or they're just off. They're just, they see something else, and they think, you should do that. But that's why we're on the radio mm -hmm. with the broadcast. That's why we do the podcast. Mm -hmm is because we just want to continue to remind folks there is not only a God, but He has a purpose for your life. Mm -hmm. There's a plan. We're going to take a moment and just remind our listeners they're listening to Covenants, co-sponsored by the Word House, Incorporated, Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. So, Carol, now that we've established, right... <laughs> That there's all sorts of ways that people can think about, but the worst of which is to not think about the intention of God to bring life into this world, mm -hmm. that there is a purpose to everyone's life, right. that we need to be established in Him. The identity of who we are eventually needs to become our own. I want to say this. So there is this person named Jacob in the Bible who had this conflict with his brother called Esau. Right. And it was at kind of a kind of an oddity, I think, of sorts, because as I say it, it sounds odd, because I'm sure that as much his mom intentioned something good to happen, I'm not so sure that she, in at least this kind of way that we're trying to uh, raise people's awareness of God and his input and his intention, she kind of stole the older brother's identity, or at least yes. dinged it. Pretty hard in it. Yes, seriously. Mm -hmm. Because in that culture, Old Testament culture, along the time of Isaac, Jacob, Esau being the older brother, uh, it was the older brother that was to be the kingpin. <laughs> be, Get the inheritance. Yes. Yeah. But that's not what mom had in mind. So she immediately went about a strategy and a plan to establish Jacob with that birthright. Mm -hmm. Now, I confess, at this particular moment, there may be a lot of reasons why Jacob was the better choice. But I can't think of them, necessarily. <laughs> and mom's name was Rebecca. 
And as much Rebecca had intentions in mind or thoughts in mind, she was going to bring a certain thing about. Now, we could argue probably the whole point that in this case, that looks like then that that would be a bad influence, right? Or at least it would not be the best of influences. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure she consulted with Isaac on any of this stuff. She just was going to go ahead and do it because I suppose she thought that was the better thing to do. But again, the good news is at least she was considering, right? And as much as, again, that may or may not have been what God's intention was initially, it did turn out to be God's intention. But it still required a bit of Jacob getting to a point where he claimed his birthright in the right sort of way, and with that, his identity. But Rebecca was a little sneaky. She was. She had a part in it. Of course, I mean, that's all part of God's plan working together. You know, we know what what the scripture says about that how he works all things together and she had a a part to play in it but ultimately she had to in order for the further events to happen to take place for him to end up on the run and in seeking refuge and and I was thinking when you said you know that transpired in my mind, I'm thinking, well, how did that work out, Jacob? How did, <laughs> Rebecca, how did how did that work out for you? Well, they didn't think it was going to work out very, very well, right? Yeah, and it, to some extent, it didn't because Isaac inherited his mom's sneakiness. And, and uh, Jacob, Jacob did. Yeah, Jacob, inherited yeah. his mom's sneakiness. Right, right. Because he really ended up trying to get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was what his mama wanted. I don't know if he's a mama's boy or not. But it was what his mama wanted. But even as he had stolen the birthright from Isaac, he still had all these troubles. Right. And the worst of which was he was going to have to come back and face the what he stole it from. Exactly. Esau. Mm -hmm. And on a fateful night when he thought everything had either been lost or was, I don't know if he thought it was all lost because he split the camp into two parts so that at least half of them would survive, but it was in great peril of being lost. Mm -hmm. God moved him to come back and face the music, Mm -hmm. as they say, which would be Esau. Right. But before he had to face the music, he wrestled with who? Well, there's, I think the Bible calls it an angel that some people say that it might be a a incarnation of Jesus. Well, this, is where, this is where Jesus comes in. He was there for the very beginning. You right. said that earlier in the podcast. Right, 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 podcast. Right. Yeah, and so uh, you know we can discuss that point, but we know that essentially it was from God. Um, you know we can say angel Jesus. It was God, and He had to face Him first. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think He was like. Was he 97? He was 90-some years old when this took place. Mm. So, you know, It's never too late, I guess, to really claim your inheritance, huh? (laughs) Right. So he had some time that passed before he owned up to what happened and faced the music. And and the point was, and your pastor was preaching about that, Mm -hmm. right, over the weekend. That's what you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. I think it was your pastor. Mm -hmm. You said a pastor, but Mm -hmm. I figured you were talking about Mm -hmm. your pastor. Yeah. But the notion of it is, is that his name was changed, right? Right, from mm-hmm. from Jacob to Israel. Mm-hmm. But that's why I even started with your name, Carolyn, because I know that though your mom and dad put an awful lot of forethought into who you were going to be, 
right? And my mom and dad did too, and I did my son, and you testified a few moments ago as to the same thing with your children, and we're still working. What do they say? Pro, pro, progress, I guess. I was going to say process, but progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this notion is that God eventually in the end gets what he wants. Right. And for all of us who otherwise are cooperative, what does he get? He gets Jesus. Because that was the son he had in mind from the very beginning. Yet it was the tree of life in the garden. I'm not saying that God has necessarily a mind like we have a mind, although the Bible would say the mind of God. So there is certainly something translatable into more human sort of dimensions. But he was still believing that this created person, entity, I guess. It was a person. Adam was a person. Had a human dimension. But he had a thought in mind as to what that was going to look like. But here's the good news. He wants that for all of us. So even as Jacob became Israel, it was only for that season so that eventually one day Israel would become Christ. But not only Christ as with Israel, but all of us. Mm-hmm. They would help us all along. Now, and for those that may or may not know the full story of Jacob and Esau, Esau's heart had been softened toward Jacob, and it all worked out. Not without some, again, struggle, right? but it all worked out. But when Jacob did wrestle with the angel of the Lord, I think that one thing, that God has an intention in mind of making us, Mm -hmm. even so Jacob, something more than what he thought he could ever be became manifest because here were two forces, both of which were probably going to either destroy him or two forces that could potentially destroy him or could bless, find blessing. Mm -hmm. He could find blessing in. And of course, it had to overcome his fear Right? Whatever that force was. And it was Christ. It was Jesus. And I believe, I would be inclined to believe that that is the prefigurement of Christ, the angel of the Lord. But the notion is, though, that we are all called to be Christians. Now, here we go. How in the world, then, could you preempt that? Either by not believing, right? Not raising your child up in the way of the Lord. Or denying that power, or if you're lost, not, at least not giving some consideration to the possibility of something better. And I'm trying to make this a more gradual sort of movement. But in the end, how could you then carelessly say, well, it's just not for me. And it's not for them. And with that, then not suffer additional consequences, problems, difficulties. A person would inevitably suffer many problems and consequences but I like the part and we (laughs) I'm not trying to review the sermon but I like the part where God angel Jesus asked him what is your name Mm -hmm. and he and then he said my name is Jacob deceiver supplanter usurper all those meanings behind his name but he owned up to what he was. And that, I think that's the other option you, you mentioned about, you know, but going along with it. Raising our <laughs> choice. But what about accepting... It's a come to Jesus sort of thing. Exactly. Accepting who we really are, mm-hmm. what our name really means, and then and then his then he got the blessing. Well, he made the choice. Mm-hmm. 
And maybe it was. Maybe it was arguing, wrestling Mm -hmm. with the angel of the Lord to confirm, which I believe it was, that this was indeed not only his, but that he could operate in it. Mm -hmm. But he ultimately had to make a choice. That is a huge choice. That is one of those places that God gives us influence. Because really, in that choice, he could have removed himself from the equation. Mm-hmm. He could have taken the sneaky way out. He could have not come right. back and face Esau at all. Right. Mm-hmm. But when Which would have been old Jacob. Yes. But again, that's why we're on the radio. We're doing the podcast. We want to remind our listeners, they're not called to a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. Anything that you might have done sneaky, it's yours. I mean, I'm not to condemn it. I'm not even to judge it. I don't even want to know about it. God already knows that. But don't keep running from it. Right. Right? And certainly don't deny then the power of God, or as God would breathe life into through His Spirit, intention to bring out Christ in all of us, to eventually that will be what all of us will be known as, Jesus. All of us that make it through the tribulation, the end times, all those things. That's what we will be. Because that's what he had in mind from the very beginning. But in that same sort of a way, when a life comes into this world, not all parents, though, are giving that same degree of consideration. I mean, they may not spend. We're about 37 minutes into the, po- the broadcast today. They might not spend 37 minutes on it. Mm-hmm. They may just think it unimportant. Right. They may not understand the content. I'm not saying all, mm-hmm. but I think some. And even for those that know, there's all sorts of other influences that may, would want them to do sneaky things. Well, they want to run. Yes, because... or to not cooperate with right. God. Right. And say, well, you know, like you said, own it. I've done something. I need to own it. Mm-hmm. This is more than just me. This is certainly God. It includes other people. But more than that, in this case, for the sake of our broadcast today, it includes a new life. Yes, and (laughs) owning it, and I I was just thinking about how the ending, you know, he came to Esau, and they embraced, and he hugged him, and there was this reconciliation that's beautiful, and that, to me, is representation. When we Love. when we come to God, yes, and when we come to Him, and we say, "Yeah, this is this is," and He already knows anyway. Yes, who we are. Yes, but when we accept and admit who we are, Esau didn't kill him. No, Esau didn't. You know, whip him with a whip. Because God had a purpose and a plan. Exactly, and I feel like that's what we could find if we were willing to cooperate and go along and move forward and admit where we are. Well, it's not also exactly where we start that we're measured by. I think it's as much how we finish, although it's arguably so if it's all spiritual and it's of God, then that's really where we should finish. But once we enter into this world and that then begins to start, everything would be working to the contrary in a material sort of way, at least seemingly so, Mm -hmm. to the end of us being sneaky. Trying to quit along the way, not to have to suffer, not to have to face things, not to have to talk with God about things, not to have to cooperate with God. All that seems arduous and difficult. Let me just have my way. 
I'll just take this little portion mm-hmm. lot over here. Yeah. You know, and just leave me alone. Let me, but it's not that way. It's close enough to Sodom. Not right in. There's, there's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. We could go into another podcast <laughs> on that. But that idea, though, is, is that that's not how God works. Right. Because all of us have a purpose. Mm-hmm. So we've got a guest on the program today. Would you like to, as a little bit of a change of pace, would you like to introduce the guest and then we're going to take a break and then we'll bring her on. I would love to introduce our guest. Her name is Cindy Carver. She's from South Point, Ohio, and she has a great ministry down on the riverbank where they minister to people there. And I'm really excited to hear what goes on down there. Okay, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. I want to remind our listeners they are listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett, uh, and we are certainly glad that you are here with us. So, as a setup to our interview, uh, you already know the name, Cindy Carver, uh, we decided we wanted to take a group of people, as best we could, uh, that sort of, in our minds, kind of captured what we've been saying about identity and who we are in Christ and, and maybe taking it improbable and making it not only probable but possible. And uh, we could not think of anyone better than Cindy and Cindy Carver. And uh, Cindy's kind of unique. Most of us go to churches. Most of us have nonprofit organizations. Most of us go to some level of great organization to kind of put together a ministry. Uh, But Cindy's ministry is genuinely much more like, I think, prototype, (laughs) the New Testament church's ministry. She's affiliated with individuals that just have a huge heart to help people who have otherwise... I don't know. I want to say lost their identity. That's probably true. Or don't know what they could be called to in Christ Jesus. Or maybe because of all the other influences. All the things, maybe even from birth. Because as much as, again, we've mentioned that in the introduction, uh, who knows the circumstances of an individual's life. I'm sure some come from good homes. But I know statistically speaking at least when it comes to behavioral health concerns, those individuals who are traumatized, who come from broken homes, who come from poverty, are at greater risk of mental health issues and becoming what we have historically called street people than individuals who grew up in intact homes, in communities where there's a lot of social support, where there's extended family. And, you know, in some ways, Cindy, and I'm going to let you get into the conversation here, but in some ways, it sounds like what I do know of what you do, and I don't know a lot, so you're going to tell me and our listeners and Carolyn at the same time what you you actually do, but it sounds like you've become that for these people, extended family, some opportunity to connect, maybe primary, I mean, maybe it's not extended, maybe it's just the primary family for a lot of individuals. And I will say this before I give it to you, we know a lot of those individuals also choose to not go to all these places that are organized because they don't feel like they're welcome, or they have all kinds of things they have to go through in order to get help. And so they'd almost prefer not to get help. And that doesn't seem very friendly. doesn't seem like it's much like family. So, Cindy, tell us about yourself and tell us about your ministry. Um, 
As they said, my name is Cindy Carver, and for about the last seven years, um, I have been blessed to be able to serve the homeless or the unsheltered folks of mostly the West End, but we're up on the East End also a little bit. And what I have realized is that they have a story. And a lot of people, what bothers me the most about um, what we do is that most people assume that if you live homeless or unsheltered, that you're either a drug addict or you're um, an alcoholic or a prostitute. And when you get to spend time with these folks and each one of them has a story and we have people on the river or unsheltered who actually had homes and they actually had jobs and then through a tragic situation that they couldn't control they lost their income they had didn't have extended families and I ask people all the time how many people are one paycheck away from being homeless and ending up in the city mission and then snowballing down you know if you don't have somebody to lift you up or to point you in the direction of hope, who is Jesus Christ, then where are you going to end up? And that's where we end up with a lot of our folks. And, and, and I was just going to say, that in an unfortunate sort of way, that, that if they're not careful, that becomes their identity. People love to stereotype, profile people. I understand there's some utility. But with all that list, drug addicts, whatever, whatever, that's a way of, of kind of depersonalizing an individual and giving them this label rather than an identity, but they live up to that or live down to that, whichever way you look at that. But that's not who they are. That's not who they are. You know, each one of us, wherever you live, wherever you go to church, wherever you work, we were all created in the image of an almighty God. It talks about in Genesis. Each one of them has a soul. And the more time you spend with these folks and you learn their stories and they begin to trust you with in confidence with the things that they've been through in their lives. And a lot of them don't have IDs, so jumping through hoops to get help, a lot of times even medical care can be like really, really bad for them. Um, but what I have noticed through the time that we have spent is that they have put up walls of protection. And they do, people do stereotype them as the drug addict. But what put them there? You know, when those, when they were growing up as children, I'm sure their first thought wasn't to be a drug addict or an al alcoholic. And then, because I've been doing it so long that I get to see the other side. You know, I have drove people to rehab centers. I am taking someone home to her home this coming week where she's been homeless and living out unsheltered sheltered. And I am blessed to be able to do these things. And you know, I want to talk a little bit about my history because what we do is not for everyone. Um, it is God's will in my life that I do this. Circumstances, the provisions that he provides, that's why we are not a nonprofit. We, um, everything is provided by God. And when you trust him with the things that you need and not the things that you Amen. want, and you are content with the things that he provides, when people ask me for something, I said, you know, if God supplies it, you're going to get it. And, you know, I just see the hand of an almighty God blessing these people and do you know all the credit goes to him all the glory goes to him mm -hmm. because he put us down there it gets a little rough sometime i had people say you know aren't you scared and i said you know back 
in the book of 2 Kings, um, when Elijah the prophet says, open the eyes of my servants so you can see greater is he that is with us than he that is against us. And the angels of the army of God were protecting these people. That's where I serve. That's the presence I feel. And David Jeremiah said a while ago, a man or a woman in the will of God is invincible till God's done with them. We go into the streets. We go into the alleys. We witness to these people. We are part of the Great Commission. We talk to them about the hope, the forgiveness of an almighty God. We talk about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so whosoever shall believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we name them. I said, you're the whosoever that God sent. Give them an identity. Give them an identity and give them a hope. And tell them that Satan is on one shoulder whispering and that almighty God and that still small voice is talking to him on the other side. And do you know, we have seen so many people change Mm. just by that. Do they leave the area? Some of them do, but some of them stay there. And do you know what they do? They, they take what they have been given by us and they bless other people with what they've been given. So we get to see this and it's because of, it is because of the strength. I, I say it to myself all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because you know if he puts something in my path, if he sends me in a direction, I already have the provisions. I already have the strength. I already have the supplies. And one thing you mentioned earlier is fear will stop us from doing those things. You know, I don't fear where God sends me. I do not fear. I have a past of drugs and alcohol and being raised in that environment. I was not a Christian. So when I look at these folks and I say, you know what, I do understand where you've been and I do know how you feel. And when you when you wake up drunk and ditches covered with your own vomit and you feel like you're a nobody, you know the God of heaven even knows the sparrows when they fall. Mm-hmm. He sees you. He sees your struggles. But you have to repent. You have to turn to Him. Well, you have to make that choice. And and I think that that's what we tried to highlight in, highlight in the introduction. There's a lot that goes into making us who we are, but God already knows who we are from the very beginning and what He wants us to become. But we have to somewhere along the way realize that we have a choice. And what it seems to me that you're saying is you help these individuals you, and maybe it doesn't change them overnight. But you help these individuals begin to realize they have a choice. They're not bound to some prejudice or some sort of stereotype or some sort of identity. They can be something different and then you offer them the different. You offer them Jesus. You offer them what God had in mind from the very beginning. His Spirit has been working toward in their life, even as they were conceived, even as they were born. Maybe they had great parents, maybe they didn't. But things along the way cause them to get off path or lose that identity or be discouraged in that. But the only way you claim it is when you face that fear. And what's the fear? The fear is that you are ultimately not only going to fail, but that you're nothing but a failure. And that all you have is the rest of your life to live out in that kind of state of feeling like you have no empowerment, no real contribution, nothing you can do either to help other people. But obviously, Cindy, in your case, that's not true. Because coming from where you came from, somehow God got your attention. Hmm. Recognized that He had a provision for you, a ministry, and was going to provide what you needed. And really gave you whatever power that was necessary inside of you to be able to fulfill that calling on your life. Yeah, the 
The one thing that I've noticed is it didn't happen overnight. Like, it was a gradual thing, and then I started to notice the folks walking with backpacks on the West End. And then when I got involved in a ministry that was in a building on the West End, so then when they closed up, we went to the streets, which we were already doing that, because a lot of the folks we already knew. But the commitment that we had um, is what has really, really blessed me the most because I've seen the changes. Seven years of changes in folks, but I'm gonna tell you, we have said so many people die. Like people that I witnessed to one week about the Lord Jesus Christ and for God so loves them, you know, and, and it just takes a, a change of heart. Like, and we point them that direction and they see it in us. You know, they see a hope. You know, we, we pray with them. We talk to him about Jesus Christ. We talk to him about God Almighty. We talk to him about an unconditional love. Because if we were all honest with ourselves, we've all made mistakes in our lives. Some are kind of quiet behind the walls of our homes. They're out in the open. You know, people can see them. They, they see them struggling. And sometimes they just need somebody to, to uplift them. They don't need money. They just need somebody to care and to direct them towards the hope, the, the only well, hope that we have in this world, and it's Jesus Christ. And, and as much Carolyn and I speculated in the introduction about who the angel of the Lord was, and I was, I'm pretty confident Jesus. In some ways, though, we are the angel of the Lord. In some ways, we are Jesus to them. Not that I am of my flesh, or anything in my flesh, Jesus Christ. But I am of spirit. And when I operate out of the Holy Spirit, when I operate out of the love of God, then it is my bringing a message of hope in a literal sort of way to people who really are kind of living in everything, anything but literal dimension. I mean, it's food, it's clothing, it's shelter. Those are very literal things. They really don't have a lot of energy or time to probably either hope for or themselves think about anything better because of the discouragement that has gone along with actually the circumstances that put them there. So when you come to them and say, you don't have to do anything but believe, it's a hard, probably a difficult thing for them to first wrap their mind around. But when you start to show the love of Christ in those actions, all of a sudden they begin to realize, well, Cindy's out here. Cindy's got a testimony. Cindy sees this as something different. Maybe, maybe there is a God, or maybe there is some greater intention in my life. Maybe I could have something. She's got something. Everything that you said is absolutely on point. You know, when they come to us and through word of mouth, and I tell them, you're not here by coincidence. You are here because somebody has brought you here. And the Holy Spirit, you mentioned, like spiritual. You know, one thing I noticed that when I first got saved, there was a lot of natural in me. And then as I started to, my relationship started to grow with God by studying His Word, by praying, by communicating with Him, the spirit nature inside of me grows. The Holy Spirit grows. And it grows. And then you really notice the changes in your life. I don't fear. I'm, it's not like people are like, well, it's human nature to fear. Well, yeah, it is human nature to fear, but my spirit nature tells me, don't threaten me with heaven. You know, someday I'm going to spend eternity with God Almighty, and until God is, God will leave me here until He's done with me. And I don't fear it. Those folks, when we provide them with a little bit of nourishment, the Word of Jesus Christ, the Bible, 
in the ministry that we do. And then if they get into housing, when, when they go through the, sometimes it's hoops to get into housing, whether it be rapid housing, or some of them have gone through drug rehab programs, that are extensive, and then they need a little bit of help. They need furniture. So we have storage units in South Point. People donate furniture to me all the time. Right now, guys, it's getting cold. So more of them are more adamant about getting into housing right now, rapid housing. So just this past week, there were two different families that I took to storage units and literally set up a house with beds and couches and furniture and set them up and knickknacks and pictures. And do you know, to be able to watch these folks who have gone from the Bando houses or the city mission or from a river and they're allowed to plug in a lamp mm. and you provide them with a light bulb the light we are the light god put us here for a reason we are the light well i appreciate too what you said earlier about uh, trusting only upon god's hand to to deliver the provision because even with peniel and jacob and the wrestling with the angel of the lord there was a ladder and he saw the blessings the the provisions angels going up and down because that's really what God wanted him to see because God knew that he was not going to be able to have anyone to necessarily lean upon or rely upon because Jacob as now Esau Jacob as now Israel was in a position to bring that light to the world and, and I don't want to sound like you're the only one. Otherwise, we'd be Elijah, right? But what begins to happen is you begin to, out of spirit, out of the Holy Spirit, God puts you together with those people who are like-minded, of like and similar mission and heart and desire. And then as two or more are gathered together, not only is he in the midst of them, but as they would join together, they can put the adversary enemy at flight. In such the manner and way that small beginnings can can turn out to be huge, huge, huge endings. And I hear that as you're speaking of this. Yes. And the folks that minister with you do that not because of obligation, not because they've got something to prove. They do that out of just that. A sincere, genuine understanding of not only who God is, but what they're calling has is or has become yes. and what he wants them to do yes. when well. you were when you were speaking um, a verse came to my heart and it's um, in Matthew chapter 16 and it's where uh, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says my church but it's ecclesia it mm -hmm. is the the gathering of like-minded believers yes like-minded the gates of hell shall not prevail. prevail. And do you know when we are facing the circumstances that we face in the homeless ministry or in the in the alleys and everything, you know, there is a God, but there is also called the great deceiver. Mm -hmm. And he deceives all. And when we get in there and we are praying and we go in the presence and the power of an almighty God and a Holy Spirit directing us, the gates of hell will not prevail. Not. There is, I've had people say, I've asked, who is God's equal? And people say Satan. I said, no, Satan was a created being mm -hmm. by God. God has no equal. If God be for us, who can be against us? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when they get to that point and they start to see it week after week, and we go down there and we are able to serve them the way Jesus Christ came as a servant. As a servant, he washed feet. He came as a servant. We are Christians. We are to be Christ-like. When you serve people, 
and you serve it with no expectation of a return, no expectation. But you know, my father sends me down there. The Holy Spirit directs us. And do you know there is such a power in the Holy Spirit? And there's such a power in Jesus Christ and that name. And when you go down there, we know the great deceivers there. But we walk in, and there are several of us. We walk in, like-minded believers, in the power of an almighty God. And we see people who are struggling with drugs or alcohol, and we know that they just spent all night out on the streets making money in that manner. You know what? I don't focus on that. I focus on a soul that God created in his, his, his own image. Mm -hmm. They all have a story. And do you know when you get to see the changes in those folks, little bit by little bit, just like it kind of happened with me, little bit by little bit, and then they hear the word of God every week, and they, they hand, we hand them a Bible. We hand them a warm meal. We hand them a set of clothes that was provided by somebody. And then they start to say something's different. And then the Holy Spirit starts drawing them in and drawing them in and talking to them. And the last week, we went over the Romans Road, and it was real, like, the guy who gives the messages, he, he had this track, and it was very simple. It wasn't like, it did quote scripture, but it was like the steps to the Romans Road. We should all know it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not really good at scripture verses, but I'll tell you what, I am good at talking about where I was to where God brought me from. And that's my testimony, because without trials, you don't have a testimony. Without hitting the valleys and being down in the dirt and having to look up to an almighty God who is the only one who can control our circumstances and focus on him, that's where we see it. And we need to quit focusing on the worldly things. We need to focus on the spiritual things that God has put us for in the Great Commission. Because someday I won't be here anymore, but praise God, I'm going to be in heaven with an almighty God and Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. It's that kind of, Carolyn, again, we were speaking of Jacob mm -hmm. and him wrestling. And I was talking about that, that he had to have some power to face and then overcome the fear. But I can hear it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, in certain circumstances, church-wise, we might be running uh, the aisles or shouting or whatever goes along with that, or a lot of amen and going on. But it is that testimony, and I think, Cindy, that's what I'm also hearing, or as, as you say that, that's what I'm thinking, uh, receiving, is that it's the testimony of the Holy Spirit in you that really is the testimony of salvation. Yes. And, and certainly there is word and we should have conceptualization of it and God does give us his word in a, in a literal sort of way so that we might understand it and hopefully for the sake of cooperation we could cooperate. But if that's all that it is, it's still dead. It's like that rock I mentioned at the in the introduction. You've got to find a way to bring life to that. And it's a living word. And that really is then the same that inspired the written word, the literal word, as with the, the Bible, Old and New Testament. It is now a living word alive within us. And it quickens us, quickens us to lively stones. We're able to do those things that God has called us to. And I could tell Cindy's got that. I only have that because one day God saved me with his grace and with his love. Amen. And I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. And I have never been the same since. I've made mistakes. But I'll tell you what, I've learned from those mistakes. I'm not where I was when I first got saved. And I'm not where I was five years ago. 
and we grow in his spirit and and the word of god is living and it is life-changing and i'm just i'm excited to see the things that i see because you can't explain them the 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 circumstances that God works out. You know, when we pray for something, we we want it to fix him to fix it our way, and then he fixes it his way. Yes. <laughs> and I have looked back on situations in my life and I said, "You know what? Even back then, you know, even back then before I was a Christian, God was there." Yes. And I recognize it Amen. now. I didn't recognize it before. Yes. When I was where I was and yes. I should be dead multiple times over because of the choices I made. But you know what? He had a plan and a purpose in my life. Yes. And when he turned me around and when the Holy Spirit came into me, I'll tell you what, he started cleaning house little bit by little bit. I get a little dusty. I get a little worldly every time, at times. But you know what? Not like I used to. Because there's a power. Mm-hmm. There is a power in the Holy Spirit. And there's a power in Jesus Christ's name. And there's a power being able to serve and be able to see what happens in changes in these folks and not only on the folks end, mm-hmm. like being able to supply them with things that I tell them all the time my name's not important you need to remember Jesus Christ's name and I think that that is that idea of love absolutely and how love overcomes and it is the power of God manifests and he does I mean love includes a lot of things but there's material provisions yes and then there is with love the unconditional or the spiritual dimension but it is that idea that what power is in us is love and and of those individuals that have a like mind yes but more so a spirit they can join with you in reaching out to these individuals who but for the grace of God, as the old saying would be, uh, would be, but for I, I would be there if it weren't for the grace of God. They could be there if it weren't for the grace of God. But we're not, but we're in a position where we can bless those who have not or who have gone through those trials and difficulties. But it takes inspiration and it takes somebody who can testify. Mm -hmm. And that's why God sent His Son Jesus Mm -hmm. so that we could see the resurrection power not only in His life, not only in His death, not only in His resurrection, but in the hereafter that He brings us now because that's what's stirring us up right now is the Holy Spirit, which He is the Spirit. He is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in that ideal way God would have wanted it. Yeah. But we need somebody. You know, not all of us have parents. Not all of us have parents who care. Some, actually, we mentioned that uh, in the introduction, that there's a lot of people who disregard life altogether and for the sake of convenience decide not to even have a child. But God has created all of us for a purpose, and this is the purpose, to love one another. To love one another unconditionally. Unconditionally. And that's the one thing that we are, that has grown is when I look at these feet, folks and there's different songs, give me the eyes, you know, so I can see you the way that God sees you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see the dirtiness or anything. He sees into the heart and he sees into what he has planned in their life. And I just, I'm so blessed to be able to serve God in this manner. I am. I mean, to be called into this ministry, and I'm not alone. There's like four or five of us that are continuously down there. And we all have a purpose. Like, I don't do the, the message 
That's somebody else's purpose. And then we have people who donate stuff all the time and some pick stuff up, I pick up stuff. But we all have a purpose in life. And when you're doing what God's will is in your life, I'll tell you what, there's no peace, there's no joy to compare to this. Right. You can focus on the circumstances that the world throws at us or you can focus on the God who controls the circumstances. Amen. Mm. And that's what we do. We focus on God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Yes, and his righteousness. The righteousness goes with it because you can't be a natural man or controlled by nature and have the spiritual influence. Mm -hmm. Like that's what, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it grows. Mm -hmm. And that cleaning house. You know, he has cleaned my house. Well, it's consecration and sanctification and, and you're called to it. But we've already kind of said everybody's called to it. Uh Not everybody chooses. Not everybody accepts the calling. And then they are lost. And they get worse in that same sort of way that the Holy Spirit grows and our connections with God grows and the body and the church grows Ecclesiastes. Yes. But, But in the same sort of way, the lost get more lost. Because they get further and further away from that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the love of God in Christ Jesus that wants to bring them into fellowship and bring them back into the family so that He can truly be that Father that has inspired it all toward that end of again Christ. But if we choose not to do that, then that's what you get. There's consequences again and suffering. But if you do choose... There is not only the hereafter promise of eternal life, but we accept and receive the abundance of life in a material dimension, which may not always be to our greatest satisfactions. Again, we may want something that God says is probably not right for you. So here we go, Cindy. If folks want to join with you in ministry, how can they get a hold of you? I'm going to give my cell phone number out, and I prefer if you text me, like if you have donations of any type. It is getting cold, so um, used coats, sweatshirts, anything like that, socks. We go through a lot of that type of stuff. Um, Also, where it's getting cold, we have a lot of people who are going into housing or they're they're being placed. Um, We have a shortage of furniture right now, Um, and it is me who comes to pick it up. I mean, my old farm truck, and then we'll take the folks to the storage units, and we uh, we bless them with God's provisions. And it's all provided by Him. You know, I can't do this, but I know He can. And He is the one who provides each and every item that I pass out, each and every, like, stitch of clothing, it's provided by God. And when you live like that, you know, there's a freedom in knowing that God is in control of all the circumstances that we live in. And there's a peace and a joy that knowing that if if they're supposed to be supplied with it, God's going to supply it. Through Christians, through like-minded people, through whoever that, whoever that He places on the heart and you know the Holy Spirit that dwells in me is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in each one of us as like-minded believers as, as the as the church as the the ecclesia of and the body of Jesus Christ and if he is talking to you about this you know next time you pass someone on the West End and you think that they're homeless you know, just wonder or whisper a prayer for them and say, you know, just direct them to where they need to be and, you know, pray for them. You know, they were created in the image of God also. And just like I said, one circumstance could have put them there. And they don't choose to live that lifestyle. Most of them don't. And we have some veterans who don't do four walls and, you know, we minister to them. And it's just such a blessing. And if the church 
of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ gathers together and prays for these people and starts working together a common goal, then there's nothing that we can't accomplish. So, <laughs> in the truest spirit of the New Testament church, in the truest spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, God has joined folks together with a common mission and purpose, and, and He's done that in many, many ways. But this one that Cindy's describing today has no name. <laughs> but it is live, it's real, or it does have a name, Carolyn. It's called Jesus. Yeah. It's called the Christ. It's the love of God manifests, and isn't that what we're all called to? Should any of our listeners, and why wouldn't they, after I said it that way, after God gave me to, it to say that way, not want to get a hold of her, but should you feel moved and compassionate and find the compassion in you, get past the stereotypes, get past all the labels, get past the profiling, uh, don't care about how they got there, just care about what they need, and knowing that God will take care of them, even as Cindy has, has testified, He takes care of her, as Carolyn and I both would say the same about us. You can call her, Cindy Carver, phone number is 304-634-3194, 304-634-3194. Cindy, it's been a pleasure. We really want to bless your ministry if we can and encourage listeners to reach out to you and just know that God is, is working through you. It's undeniable, the testimony. We're going to take a break, remind you that you're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett, and we'll be right back. So Carolyn, identity is important. Yes. Yes. Either to the making or the breaking. And of course, we know with God, it's always to the good, as we've said. And I think we've seen also that our identity can change. I'm hesitant saying that because we were created for a purpose to be the ideal that God had us in mind, and He will bring us to that. But with Jacob, we've seen him become Israel and sort of evolve into what he was created to be. And I don't think that's a bad word. I think evolution as a concept is a bad concept. But I do think that there's some degree of, again, creativity or change or process that hopefully always has a better in mind if it is according to God's will, because, again, that's God's proclamation. But, again, maybe once more, maybe as with the start of everything, it's always ideal on the front end, uh, but there's plenty of things that come along as we go through life that steals a bit of our virtue, our idealism, our hope, our optimism. And the devil did that. Satan did that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And uh, with that then, changed their identity and put upon them the identity of failed, failure, death. There's probably other words that might capture it best. Um, but it wasn't really even then God's intention. Right. God had to help them, and that's why He sent Jesus to show us, them, all of us, uh, that we did not have to spend our lives bound to such a, an identity as would then go along with failure or death or all the struggles and, and the way that they would wear you down and wear you out and you would lose hope and optimism. But, but as Cindy was speaking of, I think that's what I heard too from her was that 
everybody, I would imagine, then starts with some optimism or hope or an ideal, but how quickly it ends up being stolen from you, taken from you by the circumstances, by sometimes really, again, as we said at the very beginning, people, some people don't even care. You're just an inconvenience. The thought of having you would just be an inconvenience to them. That that if you encounter that early enough in life, how quickly that comes, probably does speak a lot to how much you might otherwise have to overcome at some point along the way. To the contrary, to the believing that you don't have to be bound to that. That God is not about stealing from you, not about just using you up or taking advantage of you to get what He wants. And I too was thinking about Cindy when you mentioned that, about how those people didn't imagine themselves. And I say, those people. That's exactly where where we're at talking about this, um, the stereotypes. And I was thinking about the people that she works with, about how they didn't imagine... They didn't, you know, grow up and think, one day I'm going to live on the streets. That's just not part of the plan, but that's where they find themselves. Mm-hmm. So the redemption back to where where they want to be and ultimately where God wants them to be would be the end goal. And I think that's part of what they're doing to help point those people to Christ. And I like how you put that because it gives me then the opportunity to say this, that we have yet to blame them. Now, maybe we have in a backhanded sort of way or a less direct sort of way by those stereotypes, um, by those prejudices. Well, they must have done something wrong to end up in the situation that they're in or they deserved it in some sort of manner or fashion. I don't think that's true always. And even if it would be, who doesn't make mistakes? Exactly. And especially in this area where we live, where there's generational, quote, mistakes, there's people that that's all they've known mm. that's what they've lived so to them much similar to like like an abusive situation where a child grows up and they think that well this is normal doesn't every kid you know have this happen to him so they sort of expect well this is what my life will look like this is what daddy's life look like this is what grandpa's life look like and i see that a lot especially in this area but it doesn't have to be that way well the only fatal choice, or the only thing that I could say would be fatal, would be their choice, that's how I want to say that, to not accept Jesus, or not accept the promise. Because when God does send somebody, and, and I want to be careful because I know I'm not Jesus in a material dimension. There is only one Jesus Christ, the Christ. But because of Him, because what He has done not only for me personally, but for all of us, I have this wonderful opportunity with God's help if I just cooperate, if I dispense with these notions that somehow my agenda is better than God's, or when God does decide in creativity, and maybe that's it too. If I'm going to be better than what I was, I'm going to have to be changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some correction. Uh, Certainly the whole notion of redemption is an element of correction. But why would I not want to submit to the process if I knew the process was making me a stronger person in terms of virtue and character, which is manifested again, God's love, if it were to be to move me closer to the image of Jesus Christ. Certainly I'm of same spirit. 
Holy Spirit, but even my outward manifestation. If I could be as much like Jesus as possible, I'd want to do that. Of course, a lot of people make fun of that. What would Jesus do? Because those, those are the ones, unfortunately, who are feeling, I presume, I would presume, rather intimidated by the notion. But, you know, I'm like Cindy. I don't know that I feel intimidated by the notion that I could be as Jesus if what that means is to really allow God to have His purpose in my life, control of my life, to empower me, to give me the provision to have not only love, but abundant life. And be able to help other people claim that same identity. I don't think, maybe I should say this, I don't think it's wrong of me to name me Jesus. If it was not wrong for Jacob to be called Israel after all this wrestling with the age of the Lord we've done in the program today, why would I not accept that God wants to call me Jesus? I'm not the Christ. Right. I am a Christian. In that way, I guess I offer that in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. to the world as with evangelism, the gospel. But I'm okay walking that way. People are going to make fun of me. Right? Because there's many who have not done that honorably or with the same degree of respect. Right. right. Maybe they've just fallen short. I don't know. I don't want to judge them either. But I'm going to do the best I can to be Jesus to the people that I encounter. Was it C.S. Lewis that said, speaking of believers, that we were all little Christs? Seems like I remember that. And of course, the little is real important. Yeah, exactly. But I agree with you. And I don't think there's... Anything wrong in saying that? I was really taking it in, how you were saying it so boldly, and I thought, that is how we need to say it, with authority and with confidence. Not confidence in us, but confidence in Him who lives in us. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And it takes that level of belief. But that's my choice. Mm -hmm. If I don't choose that, if I don't own that, if I don't choose that, and you're right, it's with repentance, it's with humility, it's with understanding that my fallen nature is going to preclude me from any of that joy, unspeakable, full of glory, the contentment that Cindy was talking about. But if I don't have that, then I'm going to do it all on myself, and it will be sneaky then. It will be conniving, it will be trickery, but that's all the devil did. Exhausting. Well, right. He appeared as the angel of light. Jacob ran for how long? 20 years or whatever? But the devil wanted to present himself as something that he was not. Mm -hmm. He was illegitimate in that same way. So I'm going to just claim my rightful inheritance. I'm going to proclaim it boldly. Yes, I need to be careful to not do it out of self-pride or self-will because then pride goes before a fall. Right, right. But if I do it in humility and I do it as established in Christ... And, and maybe I wrestle with the angel of the Lord daily. I don't know. I don't know. I, like I could be pretty did. stubborn and hard-headed. I feel like Cindy did a good job portraying. I felt that when she was speaking. I felt that that power, but yet humility. Hmm. And as, as long as I've known Cindy, she's always been a force to be reckoned with. But the humility balances that out. And so we see Jesus, and yet we see her personality. Just, just like you, if you're going to be Jesus to somebody, you're not going to transform into this other personality that you're not. 
but you're still going to be Christ to that person. Mm -hmm. so and he's going to work through my unique right, exactly. genetics, physiological awesome. kind yeah, of disposition. Amazing how God does that. Because he's, not everybody is. Because he's created with me, right. me with a purpose and intention in mind while yet I was in my mother's womb. And we don't want to discount that in any measure. Exactly. And, and that is really what individuals would or should expect to receive should they seek out any sort of assistance from us. Mm -hmm. It is always with this thought in mind, these thoughts in mind, this idea in mind that we know what we're called to be. It is unique to us. It is our cooperating with God. We have a lot of input. Those that love us have a lot of input. But the one thing we cannot and should not ever lay claim to is the power of the Holy Spirit that otherwise is distributed. God has given us His Spirit so that we might be those lively stones that we might minister in that way. And in that, there is nothing to be ashamed of. No insult, nothing against God that we would claim that rightful inheritance. If we do that knowing it's not of me but of Christ in me. Right. But that's what will encourage our listeners. Should they need assistance, we're going to start there. What are we trying to encourage as far as facilitation? Maybe it's evolution, but it's growth. It's development. It's movement toward the ideal God, the conception God had in his mind when he conceived of us as with Adam and what we see in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I want our listeners to gather from that is that we are all works in process and we're all being molded and conformed. And that was my prayer this morning on the way to work is that I would look more like him every day. And there's a line in a Mercy Me song that says, um, more of him and less of me. And of course we know John the Baptist talked about that, but we want our listeners to know we're, we're there with you. We are on the same journey towards Christ. And some are further along on the journey, some are just starting out. But in all of our lives, we're all seeking to get closer to Him, or at least we want to be. And then what that looks like individually is where we see the beauty of God's creativity, His imagination, and how He uses all the different types of people, all the different types of temperaments and personalities to present the gospel, and to be Jesus to others. Entirely finished in spirit as we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. The work is done, but in the flesh there's a constant kind of, again, transformation, change, mm -hmm. creative dynamic. There's ups, there's downs. But it's the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of God, Christ in us, that brings us through all of those to, again, the end result, again, once more, of exampling Christ Jesus. So, should our listeners be at all inclined to want to reach out to us, Carolyn, you know the best ways that they can get a hold of us. You can always go to our Facebook page. Covenants has a page on Facebook you can visit. You can give us a call. That would be the easiest way, 304-528-9220. That's 304-528-9220. Or you can email us, covenants with an S, dot LLC1 at yahoo.com. Or you can visit our website, covenantsonline.com or CovenantsChristianCounseling.com. And Facebook. And should they want to go to Facebook, uh, we appreciate any kind of input. 
coaches and say, hey, holler out to us. But if they want to contribute to future topics, we welcome it. If they want to catch a previous or prior podcast or broadcast, we welcome it. Uh, visit our Facebook page. We want it to be interactive. We want our listeners to have input. We want to bring to them what they want to hear. Which again, I'm sure they'll be in full agreement with us. Cindy, which is the message of Jesus Christ. The redeeming, saving message of Jesus Christ. Now Carolyn, somewhere along this point in the broadcast, I always ask you about what's coming up. But I have learned today, you never know what's coming up. So listeners... I'm sure it will be interesting. It will be entertaining, hopefully. It will be knowledgeable, but more, it will be filled full of godly wisdom. So, Carolyn, they do not want to miss our next broadcast, our podcast. No, we welcome any ideas or suggestions. We want your feedback. We want to hear from you, listeners. So please reach out. If nothing else, like David said, just say hi. Let us know you're there. And any questions that you have for us, please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Yes, and you'll even take phone calls if folks want to reach out and find yes. out if we have a service that might be available. They certainly, as you gave the number, leave if you might not answer every call. Go ahead and leave their name and number and you'll get right back with them. Absolutely. So in the meantime, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett and would invite you back next week. And in the meantime, be blessed.